This is episode 27 of the Prepper Website Podcast. In today's episode, we're looking at articles that deal with buying a realistic bug-out vehicle, two simple ways to eliminate garden weeds this year, and healing herbs, what you need to know about mint. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before I get started reading the articles, I just want to talk a couple about a couple of things. Uh, one of the one of the things just just really disgusted me this morning, you know, and just a little bit of a backstory. Um, two weeks ago, I recorded a podcast with Mark Goodwin of the Prepper Recon uh, podcast now or PrepperRecon.com, and uh, that that podcast, you know, he he records a couple of weeks in advance, so that uh, podcast will be coming out in uh, next week, I believe, and so. Uh, we, you know, it was, it was to promote the, the new podcast and to talk and, and to catch up. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm on Mark's uh, podcast every once in a while. But then Mark started talking about the TSA and Pat Downs, and he started really really going after it. For You know, we talked about that for a while, and I chimed in as much as I could, but he was very passionate about it. And we finally got to the point where was like, okay, you know, uh, that's it. And we we finished out the podcast talking about that. And so, like I said, I, I really didn't have, I really wasn't that passionate about it because I just, I, I don't fly very often. And last time we flew, I think it was like six or seven years ago. And, uh, you know, my parents took the whole family to, um, to a, we did an Alaskan cruise. And so, you know, we were flying quite a bit, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't as bad. TSA wasn't as bad as, it might have been even longer than that because it wasn't as bad at, at all like it is now. Um, my son... My son does, uh, he's, he's done missionary trips the last couple of years to where he has had to fly. Uh, and so, um, anyway, so this morning I'm on Facebook and uh, kind of just had a little bit of time to spend. And I was on there and someone that I knew put, or shared out um, a pat down, a TSA pat down video. And it was, a, it was a kid, man. It was like this kid's like 12 or 13, maybe 14 years old at the most. And it was just, it just really disgusted me. Just the, the pat down, the way it, the way it looks like it was, it was done. And, uh, you know, I don't normally do too much controversy stuff. In my personal Facebook, um, you know, I accept pretty much everybody unless it looks like it's a spam or spammer. And I really use my social media, uh, at least my personal social media. Everybody pretty much knows I'm a minister. I'm a, unapologetically a Christian. I post, you know, scriptures and things like that and I in the church or I promote the church and different things like that on my personal social media and I don't really engage in I learned a long time ago there's no reason to engage people on Facebook um you know I have this this picture in my mind of uh you know guys who just are living in the bottom of their parents basement sitting in their underwear drinking Mountain Dew and eating Cheetos and have nothing better to do than to cause trouble and to respond to people and just, you know, keep people all stirred up on social media. So I, I, I have a, this, this policy that I don't usually engage in social media like that. But on Prepper website, 
on that Facebook page, I do, you know, put stuff up there and I do engage people from face from uh, from that Facebook page because, well, I'm I'm doing it because of proper website and kind of you know keeping in touch with people and and touching base and that that kind of stuff. Um, so anyway, I don't normally post very controversial things on the Facebook page, but I put this one on there because, like I said, it disgusted me, man. And I put this on there, and immediately it's blown up. It actually, it's, it's still going on. To uh, even late in the in the day, people are just commenting, and and there's a couple of people on there. You know, one person who is responding, and uh, that person apparently has worked for TSA before in the past. And uh, was kind of responding back to everyone, and and basically what it is is this mom um, was going through going through um, the TSA line, and uh, she asked she she let the people know the TSA agents know that her child had SPD, and SPD I went to go look it up um, I remember it from working in the schools but it was sensory processing disorder I went to go look it up again. And, you know, kids with ADHD and, and autism and different things like that can be very sensitive to different things. And um, so she she was kind of aware of this going into the TSA um, situation. And she knew that her kid could probably be, um, you know, have some sensory issues and, and, and maybe have some kind of, you know, a negative reaction uh, to, to, you know, the way that things were going to go on. So she let them know, hey, is there, is there an alternate screening or is there whatever? You know, when I asked my son, hey, what was, what was it like the last time that you went through the TSA screening? I mean, were you patted down? And he said, no. He goes, you know, when we came back from Australia, because he was on a mission trip with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ. When we came back from Australia uh, in Washington, they did pat me down, but that was the only time. All the other times I just go through. And uh, so I don't know if she was thinking that they automatically pat down or whatever, um, but she asked for an alternate screening, and that's what she got. Um, she said that she asked for an alternate screening per TSA rule, so it looks like she, she had gone to go look at the TSA website a little bit. Uh, but anyway, so this she took a video of this long pat down, and everyone is commenting is just that's just so inappropriate. It looks inappropriate. You know, when I asked my son, I asked my son to look at it. And he's he's 21 years old. Like, hey, look at this. I mean, was your pat down anything like this? He goes, no, not at all. This that that was nothing like that. And um, a lot of other people are commenting as well. And it, it just. It just kind of boiled, you know, boiled the blood on the inside of me. I mean, I don't know why. I don't. I normally don't get like that. Um, normally, it's kind of like that's a sign of the times for me. That's just that it's not acceptable, definitely. But I mean, that's just that's where we are right now, and, and that's where people have not spoken out and people have allowed it to happen. And uh, you know, people commenting all throughout. You know, this is what happened after 9/11. No one has said anything. The best thing to do is not to fly. And I mean, that's kind of the same things that we were talking about when I was on the podcast with Mark. It was just like, hey, man, just you know, un until the the the, uh, the the airplane or the airlines is what I'm trying to say. The airlines start feeling it financially because people are like, hey, we're not flying anymore. Um, you know, they're not going to cause any problems. So I, I don't know, man. If I'm going to link to it on the show notes of episode 27. You can go check it out um, on on the Facebook page and just kind of see what you think. 
Um, you know, it just it just w- really bothered me. This kid has like an athletic shirt on, so it's you know it's one of those kind of tight fitting shirts. It's not the it, it's just it's a t shirt, man. It's just it just you know barely you can tell. There's no way to nowhere to hide anything. And then he's wearing. I thought he was wearing athletic shorts at first, but it's not. They look like some cotton shorts, but they're not. They're not baggy. They're not. Um, they're not like cargo shorts. They don't have pockets or or anything like that. I mean, it's just it was just unnecessary. And we've got to use our our brains. I mean, we really got to use our brains. I know I'm going long on this. I had I was going to even go even further, but um, I mean, just I don't know. You know, that's that's where we are. And and if you don't have to fly. That might be, you might really want to think about that before, you know, that was Mark's thing. Man, I don't want to subject my wife to that. And and thinking, of, I mean, looking at this, I wouldn't want to subject my wife to that or even my kids to that. And they're grown. I mean, they can, you know, they could they'd push back on these guys like this if they, you know, if, if they could, um, if they were touching them inappropriately. Um, so it's just it's just something that just it's not necessary, you know. It was totally unnecessary. And again, there's people. There was people on here. It's like, hey, that's the TSA. This is this is how this is how it's done. It was thoroughly done. He did his job right. I'm like, I don't know, man. You know, we've got to use our heads. Uh, you know, a 13, 14 year old kid at most. I mean, come on. He's going to be carrying a bomb or something, or you know, contra- I mean, come on, man. It's just just wrong. So that really got my blood boiling, um, you know, throughout the day, and I just, you know, kind of monitored that. But at the same time, is it's it's leads me to to I want to look at things with an open mind. I want to look at it as like, hey, you know, this guy was doing his job, but you know, uh, looking at everybody else's comments, my first thoughts were. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're on target because I was like, this is too much. This is crazy. This is inappropriate. I mean, there's no way. I mean, I mean, am I wrong here? And then everybody else is like, has the same opinion. There's two or three people that don't. But anyway, um, think about that, man. If you've got to fly, if you, if you don't have to fly, you know, don't do it anyway. Okay. Long on that. Sorry about that. Um, that little rant. I'd like to say that um, I talked last yesterday. I talked about you know possibly sharing garden picks, and uh, so I'm going ahead and making that official. So um, I did create a, um, a a post on the Prepper website podcast called uh, Garden Pick Share, and I even created a little graphic show off your garden. I already have people that are submitting their garden, man. You know, or, or picks. Somebody submitted an old garden from 2015. I mean, that's that's fine. We can share those out too. Some of them are pretty funny uh, because he's catching people and different things like that. But um, so if you if you want to share your garden, and I was thinking, share your garden pics now of whatever it is, even if it's like, man, this is where my garden is going to be, and it's not ready. It's all you know crazy. Um, share that out, and then in in three or four weeks, we'll do it again and see where our gardens are then you know and so um we'll have the cutoff for this first submission uh next monday that's april 3rd 2017 and uh i'll just post all the you know all the pics that people send in we'll just post them and and if there's a lot of them i'll have to maybe break them up into two or three posts but i think that will be kind of cool so if you have it go ahead and send it in and uh, i think that's always cool to see what other people are doing uh we might learn something just from pictures you know 
Um, I also want to say really quick that the uh, the offer those of you that are downloading there's not too many of y'all but there are still some that are downloading uh, especially those that are you know in rural settings in your internet you don't have uh, you know high speed internet um, the online so I have a, a website uh, I'm sorry a video how to download episode download episodes but it's become a little bit easier now I'll do another video but I uh, just wanted to say that you can go to the tab that says listen online. And then there's a little share a button that you click. And then there's a green arrow that you click after that. And that will download the episode for you right then and there. So it's a lot easier than having to click out to where uh, you know where we had to before. So uh, I'll do another little video to kind of add to it. But uh, it's just a little bit easier to download the videos if you're doing that. All right, so I'm long on that. Sorry, I apologize, the rant and all that. I could have gone on longer, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare you my rant. Um, let's, let's get started with the first article. This comes to us from bsurvival.com. Buying a realistic bug out vehicle, questions to ask. And I think this is, um, this is a relevant, a relevant article, you know, especially if you are, um, you know, purchasing a new vehicle and uh, I'll have some concluding thoughts here in, in a little bit. So, um, Let's go ahead and start with this one. Today, when selecting a car, it's all about the trunk space for the groceries. Will I have enough leg room and can it come in a different color? But none of that really matters when you need a safe haven to efficiently transport you through or out of survival situations. Diesel or gasoline? What types of off-road capabilities are needed? It's choices like these that could very well save your life. Leg room doesn't exactly matter anymore. Not only do you have to consider all the options, but also the budget. The ideal bug out vehicle very easily can exceed what you are willing to spend if you don't know what you need. Although there are many different options to choose from when selecting the best personal bug out vehicle or BOV, the most important element to keep in mind are all here. Traveling environment. Although you may not exactly know where you will be traveling at the time of a crisis or what exactly those traveling conditions may look like, you can still determine the overarching environments you may be thrown into. Do you live in desert conditions with not a lot of woodlands? Are you in typically wet, muddy environments? Or do you have snow on the ground more days out of the year than not? I'm going to, side note, I'm going to add, are you in an urban environment? All right, continuing on. By classifying your, gener your generic location, you can begin to formulate an idea of what exactly you may be driving through. Snowy conditions will require gear for traversing through deep snow and icy conditions. In a desert-like situation, the ice chains aren't required, but can, can your vehicle stay cool and not overheat after extended use? Diesel or gasoline? Making the choice between a diesel engine and a regular engine can be difficult, as it affects the price of the vehicle as well as its functionality. However, in the case of a BOV, diesel is generally the best, the best option. Overall, diesel engines are most efficient and typically get better gas mileage than that of its equivalent. Additionally, diesel engines are usually more robust and can process a great number of fuel types. Some engines can use different types of oil, kerosene, and even jet fuel. The fuel flexibility in a diesel engine allows for more options when in a pinch. Another bonus is diesel fuel has a greater shelf life than that of gasoline. Under the right conditions and with fuel stabilizers, it can be stored up to a year. However, diesel engines may be harder to repair compared to regular engines. The makeup of a diesel engine is different compared to its counterpart and may require more expertise. EMP proof. 
Another consideration if you're inclined to prep for it is to get an older vehicle that is no, not computer controlled or to properly protect your vehicle from electromagnetic pulses. EMPs are caused naturally from solar flares, are a byproduct of nu nuclear bombs, and came, and, and came and can, I think, be created from special EMP bombs that generate uh, these pulses. An EMP can render any electronics within range fried beyond repair by essentially overloading the boards themselves with electro electrical energy. While a Faraday cage or a microwave can protect small electronics from an EMP, a vehicle takes some special prepping to be EMP proof. If EMPs are a concern to you, then you'll want to take these additional steps. Another way to EMP proof your vehicle is to buy something pre-electronic. No computerized systems mean no boards to worry about. Storage. Another important aspect to consider when picking your perfect bug out vehicle, do you want room for the in-laws? A conflicting question to begin with, but you need to decide the storage room of your vehicle. Not only is it important to be able to store your gear and backpack equipment, but you have to be able to comfortably fit in your vehicle. Depending on how many people you may have along, uh, along in your supplies, this may drastically change what type of vehicle you end up getting. If you are carrying multiple people, then that is going to affect gas mileage, carried supplies, and sitting arrangements. Along with this comes the question of whether or not you will be sleeping in the BOV. If the in intent is to use it similar to an RV, then you need to be considering much bigger vehicles with appropriate sleeping quarters. However, if you are solely relying on transportation, then that may change your options of what you might be purchasing. Although depending on the circumstances you are under, there is possibly... There is the possibility of using the vehicle for transportation and sleeping outside when you need to. Off-road capabilities. To begin with, four-wheel drive and all-terrain driving capabilities are vital. If you think you'll be able to get through a catastrophe on just the paved roads, think again. Also, those paved roads that were once traversable can quickly become hazardous. Another factor to consider along with this is having a proper brush guard. If there is a possibility you may be traveling off-road at any point with your vehicle, then it has to be able to handle it. The first time you hit the brush, you don't want to be taking avoidable damage to the radiator or other parts of your vehicle. A winch. The versatility of a winch brings to your vehicle is crucial. With a winch, you can bring down obstructions easily, buildings, small trees, boulders, and many other things. Additionally, it is much harder to get your vehicle stuck with a winch on board. Stuck in the mud? No problem. Just pull yourself out with the winch. Too much snow? A winch can get you through that. Hill too steep? A winch can get you up it. Full spare tire? Sorry, but donut tires are not, aren't going to cut it when you are fighting for your life. Prepare for the worst. A flat tire will happen. Being able to replace a flat tire quickly and efficiently is important, but also having the proper replacement is just as vital. Having one or two full spare tires on board will give you peace of mind. Also, make sure you have the right gear for replacing a tire when one does decide to blow out. Emergency escape equipment. Just as much as your bug out vehicle can be a lifesaver, it can also be a death trap. If you get into an accident or go into a body of water, you need to be able to successfully escape your vehicle. Having seatbelt cutters and window breakers within reach of your seatbelt seat can save your life. Additionally, these tools can be used to rescue other people in trapped in vehicles. During a flooding situation, having the ability to pull others from cars will be more useful than you, than you may like to think. Final thoughts. With these necessities in mind, the process of picking out the right bug out vehicle for your situation will be easier. 
Considering the environment you may be driving in will avoid any unnecessary surprises when you hit the trail with your vehicle. Additionally, carefully considering the options of diesel and gasoline as well as storage space will greater personalize your vehicle to your needs. Also, these options have the ability to save you money when making the final purchase. Finally, by including the vehicle accessories that you need to have in a survival situation, it will grant you greater versatility. With all these combined, you will be able to find the ultimate BOV to get you safely through the next catastrophe comfortably. Okay, what, what I wanted to mention is I remember, and I've, I've mentioned it before in previous episodes, um, the book by Fernando Aguirre uh, or Furfall, the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the Surviving the Economic Collapse. Um, he talked a little bit about that because he lived in Argentina and he talked a little bit about, well, actually he talked a lot about it, I mean that was the whole book, about what was going on during the economic collapse and all those kinds of things. And he talked about his vehicle and he had a couple of different vehicles and he had, just because sometimes it was harder to get fuel and, and his vehicles had like dual fuel. So he had one that had diesel and then propane, I think, if I remember correctly, and then one that had gasoline and propane, if I remember correctly, and they, they ran on those. But what, what he mentioned I thought was very, very important. He didn't have like big O, when you think about you know, bug out vehicles and what you see. And then in the article, you'll see this big O, you know, SUV looking type thing or big O truck. Um, he, he had a smaller vehicle and so it was economic. You can get in and out, uh, of, of places and, and all that kind of stuff. It's saved on gas. And, and when you're in, a, in an economic crunch and you're still in the city and things haven't broken down, uh, you, you know, you want to save money. And so it was, it was nice to have a smaller car and a more economical car. But what he said, one of the things that was very, very important was, I think, but I remember him saying the tires, I think, having good tires, but then also the four-wheel drive aspect of it. Because there were times when people would, you know, try to, you know, uh, harm people, like get in, get in the middle of the road and kind of stop traffic, or, or um, you know, you needed to get around for whatever reason. And so his little vehicle was four-wheel drive, and it could jump the curb very easily. It could jump the curb, and it could go into uh, you know the grass and go into terrain that regular cars couldn't go into and so I thought that was very um, you know very important I just remember that that uh, point about his book or at least when he was talking about the vehicle and so you know I'm, I'm in Houston and I live in Texas and you know I have a truck and so uh, you know that that allows me to get around a little bit you know better in some cases um, when we've had flooding issues over here, it's a little bit easier. I can go where, say, you know, my wife's car wouldn't go. Um, so, I mean, that's that's nice to have. But I like that aspect of the four-wheel drive or the all-wheel drive. And there's some vehicles out there. So things to consider out there. I mean, you know, when we think about bug-out vehicles, we're always thinking about, yeah, it's the end of the world and the zombies and, you know, all that, the golden horde and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, just thinking about that, you know, like an economic collapse and being able to get around, uh, if you have to get off the road at a certain point, you know, if your vehicle could make it um, with a four-wheel drive or a vehicle that had extra or different or dual, dual fuel types would make a big difference, you know. So uh, things to consider there. Um, always, and, and I would always, too, one of the things that has been coming in handy for me lately is just my my kit that I have in my car, and not necessarily like a you know uh, an EDC or a bug out kit or anything. I'm talking about like 
tools and, and different things. They just they've been coming in handy. I think I'm going to do an article on on what I have in you know under my seat. Um, I, I think that's always uh, always good to have some extra stuff that you can you, you can uh, have there, and it's just it's become helpful, and I've been able to help other people with that. All right, so uh, going on, the next two are going to focus on kind of like that garden theme or sharing your garden picks. Uh, I wanted to share this one out. This comes from Old Ward. I'm sorry, I'm having trouble talking tonight. Old World Farms Garden. Again, Old World Farms Garden. I can talk. I promise I can talk. Um, So in this article is two simple ways to eliminate garden weeds this year by working less. And if you have a garden, you you feel the pain, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You don't want to deal with weeds. So let's go ahead and um, read this article and uh, see if maybe you're incorporating this or if this is something you can incorporate. Believe it or not, if you really want to eliminate garden weeds, you need to stop working so hard. It may sound a bit odd, but many of the weeding problems faced by gardeners are a result of working the soil in their garden too much. Weed seeds need to be planted just like beans, corn, or tomato seeds do. Unfortunately, weed seeds are constantly being blown or carried into your garden from all over. Dandelions, Canadian thistle, and a host of other weed seeds make their way to the top of your garden soil daily. And every time you disturb the soil, whether by tilling, shoveling, or hoeing, you are planting your next crop of weed seed. It really becomes a vicious cycle. You hoe or till to get rid of the seeds that have sprouted and you plant the next round. So with that said, it's time to stop working so hard. There are two simple keys to eliminate garden weeds and they both center on keeping those weed seeds from ever getting planted in the first place. Once you eliminate the weeds, your workload gets cut in half or more and your vegetable yield will go up. But I'm sure that most gardeners are okay with the added workload of a little more harvesting, especially if they don't have to work all those hours on weeding. We have used these two methods below for going on seven years now with fantastic results. So let's take a look. Uh, let's take a closer look at the two keys to eliminate garden weeds. Two simple ways to eliminate garden weeds by working less. Number one, stop tilling and hoeing your rows so much. The rototiller. Roto- It may be the most prolific planter of weeds in the history of gardening. Okay, I'm probably being a bit harsh on the rototiller. It actually is a terrific tool for ripping up sod and preparing soil for new garden areas. But beyond that, rototillers actually create way more work and problems for a gardener. And in a raised row garden set up, there is simply no need for one. See raised row garden. Not only are these expensive to buy, maintain, and use, they are weeding planting machines. When they are used in the spring to till up large plots of ground, rototillers are also planting huge amounts of weed seed that have been laying dormant on the surface of the soil all winter long, and the weed cycle begins. Once the garden is planted, most of a gardener's work is spent keeping weeds out of the freshly tilled rows. That means using that tiller again every few days to till under the weeds in the rows and then using hose to go between the plants. That is a lot of work, and guess what? It creates more. That rototiller and hoe are simply stirring up and planting more weed seed. One last thing, all of, all of that work can also cause other issues with your garden. For starters, soil structure plays a huge part in the success of your vegetable plants. 
Constant tilling can destroy good soil structure, and with it, the foot traffic trudging behind a tiller can compact and limit the root system of the vegetable plants. So rule number one, stop working that soil so much. Now on to rule number two that puts it all together. Cover your soil always. So how do you stop working your soil so much? By covering it. It really is that simple. When soil is covered, very few seeds can ever find a way to germinate. During the growing season, start by covering all of those walking rows so you simply won't ever have to maintain them. For us, we use a heavy 6 inch thick coating of bark chips. But it can be straw, grass clippings, shredded leaves, newspaper, cardboard, plastic row covers, or even a cover crop. Next, mulch around your plants to keep the weed seeds out. We use heavy 2-3 to three inch mulching of compost and straw in our growing rows. It keeps out weeds and the compost provides nutrients to the plants. You could also use straw, shredded leaves, or even grass clippings, but when it's covered, there are simply very few weed problems ever. And for the final step, cover your growing rows in the fall as well with a thick planting of a cover crop. See planting cover crops. Leaving any garden soil bare over the winter is an open invitation to create new year's weed issues. And those cover crops also help put nutrients back into your soil that the vegetable crops took out. These two simple steps not only help you grow a great garden, but really eliminates the weeds and work. So put away the tiller, put down a little mulch and grab your favorite beverage. Now sit down and watch the weeds not grow. Happy gardening, Jim and Mary. If you'd like to receive our DIY gardening and recipe articles each week, you can sign up below. Follow the blog via email in the right-hand column above. All right, so um, good information there. I hope you're doing that. I have covered. Uh, I have used, uh, you know, like a black uh, plastic covering before. I do believe it did help in doing that and uh, laying down compost. Uh, I have done that before, and uh, I, I, I th actually right now my garden beds look pretty good. I mean, there's some weeds that just pop up. There's just there's nothing you can do about. That. I mean, you're gonna get some, but it's very very helpful and it does cut down on the work that you're doing. So good information there. Um, just like. I say every every uh, episode. There's some good links in here. You're gonna want to come check them out. Um, links to you know on both of uh, both of the articles that I've read so far at Bee Survival and also uh, at the Old World Farms Garden. There, I said it right. Um, some good good stuff there. All right, let's go ahead and go on to the next one. Um, this is from my friend Gay over at Backdoor Survival. I got to tell you, uh, and this one's healing herbs. What you need to know about mint. So I got to tell you a funny story. Uh, I was at church, and uh, two of the ladies, and we have people that you know are into essential oils and stuff, and I love it. You know, there you know, it's it's great. Um, so they were talking about um, they were talking about a, a cream or a lotion that they were using, and uh, one for blood pressure. And they said, man, it really worked, and you know, it was you know, I made this up, and I got the I got the 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 ingredients and the recipe all online. And I was like, really? I mean, that's interesting, you know, because I post some of that stuff on Prepper website. So why don't you send me the link? So uh, they they uh, sent me the link, and uh, it's it's the backdoor survival. It's the Gay's website. I'm like, wait a minute, Gay's a friend. Uh, you know, we we we've, we've known each other since I started Prepper website, and we you know we talk all the time. And so I thought that was really really funny. I don't even think I've told Gay that, um, but uh, when I when I saw that, I was like, that's crazy, you know. 
And I, I just never got around to making any of those, uh, the creams or, or infusing all that kind of stuff. Haven't done that yet. I did buy some, um, some beeswax and stuff like that. And so, uh, I, I did do that. So I'm going to make some, but haven't done it. So I really like seeing this article from Gay about mint because I did plant some peppermint and I, I didn't, I didn't do it the way that they said it here, uh, in this, in this article, uh, because I know peppermint can get away from you, but I really, I don't care. I like peppermint. And so, um, you know, I've got it, I've got it in a garden bed that is, uh, really, I mean, I guess it can travel, but it's, it's, I don't know if it can jump the garden bed, uh, the way it is and the way it's situated. But anyway, so let's go ahead and start reading this one because this one has a lot of good information that you're going to want to uh, to hear. Um, you know, as we, uh, you know, man, I'm tra I'm chasing a lot of rabbit trails today, so uh, forgive me on this one. But um, healthcare, you know, the healthcare bill and all that stuff has been in the been in the news recently, and I I just think that. As things go on, we're going to be looking at more and more natural remedies to uh, to help us out, and uh, I think that's just that's just going to be smart. And people are are looking for that. And like I said, I read I read an article a couple of days ago that was just it almost kind of went viral, and it's still it's still pretty popular on um, on the. I, mean, I can't even remember it, but it was at askapepper.com. It was the one that acts like morphine, and so. Um, so I think it's going to be important. It's going to be popular. It's going to be it's going to be the next thing that people are looking for herbs and, and essential oils and and all those kinds of things as uh, to to help out because um, just the, the healthcare is just it's crazy. So anyway, I, there's a lot of good information in this article. So let me go ahead and start reading this one. Healing herbs: What you need to know about mint. Mint has been called has been called the world's oldest medicine after being discovered in ancient Egyptian tombs and found in fossils 10,000 years old. The medicinal value of mint has been so universally recognized that it can be found growing wild almost everywhere on earth where civilization has thrived. Both then and now it is the herb of choice for digestive issues. This is the second article in the series on common plants and herbs used for health and wellness. Once again, I have called upon Susan Perry, a practicing herbalist, educator, and master gardener to lend her extensive expertise to backdoor survival readers. Medicinal Use of Mint Parts Used The leaves and small, tender stems, aerial parts, are used medicinally. Herb Actions To sum up the primary medicinal uses of mint, here are some of its major actions. There are, these are, mo are the most prevalent in peppermint, as described above, and to a lesser degree in the other mints. Becoming familiar with these terms help you understand how herbs work and decide which herbs to use for your health issues. Antispasmodic prevents and eases muscle spasms in the body. Antiemetic, I hope I pronounced that one right, reduces nausea, relieves, or prevents vomiting. Antiseptic, Helps the body destroy or resist harmful bacteria and other microorganisms. Carminative, containing volatile oils which both stimulate the digestive system and relax the stomach, thus supporting digestion and reducing excess gas in the digestive tract. Nervine, having a beneficial effect on the nervous system. And analgesic, 
reducing pain when applied internally or externally. Mint in the garden. Mints do best in rich loamy soil with full or partial shade in hardiness zones 3 to 7. Before planting, the soil should be deeply cultivated and a manure-rich compost or fertilizer high in minerals added. Good drainage is equally important to avoid water drainage to the root, damage to the roots. Once mints are, mints are off to a good start, they will grow well in most soils as long as they are free of weeds and the soil is cultivated. After plants have matured, peppermint and spearmint prefer consistent soil mo- moisture, while most other mints prefer a drier soil. For commercial production, mints have traditionally been planted in shallow trenches three feet apart. Varieties of mint. All the mint species easily crossbreed, and there are now more than 600 varieties we can identify. All mints have a square stem, distinctive minty odor, and a fresh taste. Here are the four most common varieties. Peppermint. Peppermint is considered the most effective mint for medicinal use. Its main constituent, menthol, makes it a powerful antispasmodic. It improves many digestive issues, including painful spasms throughout the digestive tract, and is used for colic, flatulence, cholera, and diarrhea. Peppermint helps heal ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. It relieves nausea, including the morning sickness of pregnancy and motion sickness, and is used to increase the flow of digestive juices and bile. Peppermint is also used for respiratory illnesses and reducing fevers when asthmatic symptoms are present, including those triggered by physical exercise. Peppermint helps reduce irritation and acts as a bronchodilator by opening the airways to improve breathing. Peppermint has an antihistamine effect along with the strong cooling action of menthol that dissolves mucus and makes it an effective makes it an effective decongestant for throat, nose, bronchial tubes, and lungs. Sipping peppermint tea can stop the progression of a cold in the early stages. Once a cold or flu has set in, mint is best combined with bone set and yarrow. Peppermint's nervine qualities act as a nerve tonic and for reducing tension and anxiety. Spearmint. This variety has many of the same medicinal qualities as peppermint, but its effects are less powerful. This makes it very suitable to use for young children's digestive or respiratory problems. The chief constituent of spearmint is carvon, which gives it a unique taste that is milder than peppermint and has resulted in its frequent use as flavoring for foods and medicines. Pennyroyal. Although pennyroyal has some of the properties of other mints, it is most often used medicinally to stimulate and support uterine contractions if needed during childbirth. For this reason, it should definitely be avoided during pregnancy and is also not to be used for children. Downy Wood Mint. The medicinal use of this mint is similar to that of spearmint, although slightly stronger. It makes a delicious tea with a mild mint flavor and has been effective in alleviating headaches. Planting instructions. Mint seeds may be started indoors. Plant seeds a quarter inch deep in starter pots and keep them moist. Move plants outside after the last frost date for your area. Plant them six inches apart when nearly mature. Thin them to two feet apart. 
Keep young plants moist but not overwatered. Occasionally add a high mineral fertilizer if plants are not growing rapidly or if a soil test shows any deficiencies. Mint spreads quickly and will crowd out other garden plants due to its vigorous roots and runners and easily scattered seed. This is great if you're only going for big yields of mint, but if space is limited or you want to maintain several different mint varieties, you need to devise a way to contain them. Here is a simple strategy that keeps mint from taking over your garden. Gather plastic planting containers or buckets with drainage holes. For small patches of mint, use one gallon size containers. For a larger number of plants, use larger sizes. Trim two round pieces of porous garden fabric, such as landscape cloth, for each pot, making them eight inches larger than the width of the bottom of the container. Put these inside the pots. This is what keeps the roots from spreading. Fill each container a little more than halfway with good quality garden soil. Gently add the mint plants, leaving several inches between each one. Add more soil, carefully patting it down around the roots to come within three inches of the top. Add water to saturate the soil without it becoming waterlogged. Dig a hole in the garden for each pot. The soil level in the container should be even with the garden surface. Adding mulch in and around the pots to cover the edges makes for a tidy, well-kept look. If rhizomes start to grow over the edge, just trim them off, then discard them or start a new plant. Plants may need to be divided after a few years depending on how quickly they grow. Harvesting Mint Gather leaves and small stems when they are full size to ensure the greatest medicinal potency. Unless you are planning to save some seeds, pinch off the flower buds as they develop. Harvest mint on a dry, sunny day in the morning after the dew has lifted, as mint can develop mold quickly if it's moist. Gather it before midday sun, which can deplete the plant's volatile essential oils. I didn't know that one. That's good to know right there. So gather it before the midday sun. Uh, trim the largest branches and allow small parts to continue growing. How to prepare and use mint. Infusions are most often used for internal healing, especially digestive and respiratory issues. These just happen to be the primary medicinal uses for mint. So an infusion, the technical name for herbal tea, is the most common preparation. Note, the standard amount of time to steep herbs in hot water is 15 minutes, but mint is an exception. 5 to 10 minutes is enough to bring out the medicinal properties any longer will result in a bitter taste. Directions, use 1 cup water per teaspoon of dried herb or 2 teaspoons fresh herb. Heat water to a boil in a covered pan. Remove from heat, add mint leaves, stir until all leaves are saturated. Cover pan and let steep for 5 to 10 minutes. Strain out the mint, pouring the liquid into another container. The remaining plant material may, makes good mulch for the garden. Keep extra in the refrigerator, stays fresh for up to 3 days. Standard dosage, 1 cup up to 3 times per day. Precautions when using mint as a medicinal herb. Do not take pennyroyal in large doses and do not use for children or during pregnancy. If used to strengthen contractions during labor, best to do so under a doctor's supervision. Children under age 6 should not be given peppermint nor rubbed with ointment containing menthol since it could cause gagging or choking. Spearmint and apple mint are excellent for children. Mint can irritate mucous membranes. Avoid taking peppermint if breastfeeding as it can reduce the milk flow. Since menthol can stimulate the gallbladder, mint should not be taken if there are gallstones present. Mint is also con con 
contraindicated in those with heartburn caused by gastroesophageal reflux disease or GERD. Menthol can relax the sphincter between the esophagus and stomach, allowing stomach acids to enter the esophagus. Ginger can be used instead of digestive upsets. How to preserve and store mint. Dry leaves and small stems immediately after harvesting as mold can set in quickly. If using a dehydrator, set the temperature at 95 degrees. Mint can, may be air dried on trays and single layers in a warm, dry place, but not in direct sun. Mint can also be tied in small, loose bunches covered with a paper lunch bag with the bottom cut out and hung upside down in a warm, dry place. This method takes a bit more drying time, but less counter space. The bag protects the leaves from dust. Store dried herbs in airtight containers. Glass is good, plastic is not, as moisture can enter. When dried and stored correctly, leaf herbs can keep their potency for a year or more. Mint can also be preserved by making extracts in alcohol or oil. Identifying mint in the wild or in your backyard. Peppermint. Grows to three feet, has smooth branching stems, pale pink or violet flowers growing on short spikes at the end of branches. Leaves are a large oblong shape ending in a point and with toothed edges. It is found throughout the U.S. in moist meadows and along roadsides. Peppermint can be identified by the strong cooling sensation when you chew on a leaf, then breathe in through your mouth. Spearmint. Shorter than peppermint grows 10 to 20 inches with pale violet or pink flowers. The leaves are attached directly to the stem with no stalk. It prefers wet soil and grows throughout the U.S. Pennyroyal. Leaves are soft and hairy, growing in opposite pairs with two small protrusions underneath. Pale blue flowers grow in small tufts on the stem between the leaf pairs. Grows 6 to 18 inches in dry fields from Minnesota to Nova Scotia and areas south. Downy Woodman. Similar in appearance to peppermint, but leaves have a more rounded shape and are covered with soft down. Grows in dry woods and dense brush areas from Wisconsin to Vermont and areas south. Homesteading Benefits of Mint. Controls pests and parasites. Growing mint right outside the barn or hen house can help reduce parasites and other insect pests. When poultry has access to fresh mint, they have fewer internal parasites. This eliminates the need for toxic chemicals. Ants, rodents, and flies are also kept away with mint. In addition, hang bunches of fresh mint inside the barn or coop or sprinkle drops of peppermint essential oil on windowsills and other surfaces. Fresh leaves of pennyroyal or other strong mints can be strewn in cupboards, closets, or wherever needed to deter ants, fleas, and other insects. Draws bees to a new, hi new hive by rubbing peppermint leaf on the beehive. Bees will be attracted and set up housekeeping. Feed a fresh peppermint leaf leaves to goats to reduce or eliminate intestinal parasites. Attract pollinators with mint, blue, pink, or violet flowers. Soothe poison ivy. Soak a mint tea bag in cold water for a few minutes, then apply to skin. A cloth soaked with peppermint tea also works well. The soothing and cooling properties of mint provide relief from moist skin irritations. Repel mosquitoes. Rub a few drops of peppermint essential oil on arms, legs, and other exposed skin to prevent mosquitoes from landing and biting. Although slightly less potent, fresh leaves can also be rubbed directly on the skin. Keep your cool. Working outdoors in the heat of summer can lead to skin irritation, rashes, and even heat stroke. Cooling herbs can keep you fresh and comfortable, and nothing works better than mint. 
add mint to a summer lemonade or fresh fruit salad or try these easy recipes. Watermelon ginger mint slushy. 2 cups cubed watermelon, 1 tablespoon lime juice, 1 teaspoon minced ginger, 4 to 5 mint leaves cut into several pieces, 10 or so ice cubes. Place all ingredients in a blender and puree until smooth. Check the taste and add mint, more mint or ginger if desired. My friend Mary says adding a splash of vodka would make this a lovely summer afternoon cocktail. I'll meet you on the porch. Cucumber Mint Water Pure water infused with fruits and herbs has become a popular way to stay hydrated, remove toxins from the body, and support weight loss. Cucumber water makes a healthy, mellow drink with mint. It's even more refreshing on a hot day. Directions. Cut a cucumber into thin slices, then put them into a glass pitcher. Add five to seven whole fresh mint leaves and crush them using a wooden spoon. Add one half gallon of water and a pinch of Himalayan salt to round out the flavor and add minerals. Stir gently. Refrigerate two to three hours to release the flavors and create a delicious summer drink. Other benefits of mint. Stop hiccups. The menthol in mint helps to calm muscle spasm. Make a cup of warm tea or a cold mint drink by blending fresh mint leaves with one cup of water, then strain. In a hurry, just chew on the fresh leaves. Promote hair growth. Thinning hair and premature balding can be improved by gently massaging either peppermint essential oil or a mint infusion into the scalp. Research shows this strengthens and invigorates hair follicles to promote new growth. And I never heard that one before. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are gonna they're gonna love that one and try that one out. Boost memory. The stimulating scent of peppermint increases memory and alertness and is a general energy booster. A diffuser works well or just simmer fresh or dried mint in a pan of water. The whole house will smell fresh and clean and you can resume your chores with new enthusiasm. Okay, let me I'm gonna add something here um, I do diffuse peppermint uh, at my, in my workplace in my office uh, peppermint and I'll put a little bit of lemon in there as well uh, but one of the things I think it, it's it's funny uh, is that when students one of the the things that we gave to students when I was on the campus when they were taking tests is we would give them those you know those smelly pencils you can find you know all different kind of smelly pencils but we would specifically buy peppermint smelly pencils and give those out to the students so, so that they could smell them and we would tell them you know these are so that you know while your peppermint uh, helps your memory boosts you and gives you energy and we would tell them all that and they would use it and it's funny as you're walking through as they're testing they're sniffing the the peppermint uh smensels and uh it was it was great to, great but i i love the fact that they use that you know in in the pencils and um you know i was in a campus where a lot of people were using essential oils some of the teachers were diffusing and a lot of parents were were diffusing as well and, and they were giving uh um, you know, one kid, one teacher uh, told me, she was, man, this student came and he just, I could just smell him, but it wasn't like cologne. And then I, I asked him what, you know, what is that smell? And he raised his hand. He's like, it's me. My grandmother <laughs> put lavender all over me and all these other essential oils so that I would, you know, be relaxed and, and do, <laughs> do well. And so that was good. You know, the, the idea of essential oils is getting out there. I think, and all the alternative medicine stuff, I think it's getting out there. So I, again, that's, that's a good deal. All right. So continuing on. Control appetite and lose weight. The taste of peppermint has been proven to reduce the desire to eat. 
Have some mint tea between meals or brush your teeth with mint flavored toothpaste after a meal. Additional resources. Here are a few resources you can use to learn more about using mint for medicine, homestead needs, and cooking. As an added bonus, the last one contains ways to use mint and other herbs to make your own beauty products. All four should be available at your local library. So there's a couple of, uh, I guess they're books that they're uh, linked to Amazon. And so um, good good information here. The Green Pharmacy, Stalking the heart, Healthful Herbs, The Cook's Herb Garden, and uh, Jean's Rose's Herbal Body Book. All right. So peppermint essential oil. A discussion of the healing qualities of mint would not be complete without mentioning mint in its most concentrated form as an essential oil. The two most common mints used in essential oil are peppermint and spearmint. Peppermint essential oil is commonly used to relieve headaches, stomach, and digestive distress, and congestion from allergies and colds. It is bargain-priced and, for me personally, my go-to oil for headaches. More uses of peppermint essential oil can be found in this article, The Miracle of Peppermint Oil, 20 Practical Uses for Survival. Spearmint essential oil can be used in the same manner, although it tends to be a bit pricier. That said, it is favored over peppermint for use with digestive problems such as flatulence, constipation, and nausea. Mint has been a powerful healing remedy for thousands of years in ancient Greece and Rome. It was used not only for medicine but also to flavor sauces and wines, to make garlands, and to decorate tables at feasts. Mint is mentioned in the Icelandic pharmacopoeia of the 13th century and so it goes with many references throughout the years of the positive benefits of using mint for healing if you're interested in herbs for healing for use on a homestead or times when traditional medicine is not available you simply cannot go wrong with mint all right so that's that for that article but uh, going back to the essential oil you know that was peppermint essential oil was the thing that got my wife started on essential oils and uh, you know she has migraines and uh, this one day she just had, you know, she had taken medicine. She had taken the strong medicine and nothing was touching it. And uh, I had had some uh, peppermint essential oil that I had purchased. This was before, really early on for me, that I had purchased from uh, Dr. Bones and their, uh, Amy. And so I got a little four-pack from them. And so I'm like, hey, let's just try it. Let's just see, you know, uh, if, it, if it helps, you know, let's see if it helps you. And so I got a little bit of it and put it on her forehead, put a little bit on the back of her neck, and, uh, you know, asked her in a few minutes, you know. She goes, it, it didn't take it away. Of course, it's a migraine, and even big medicine didn't take it away. But it helped with the cooling. The cooling effect helped to lessen the intensity of the migraine. And so it helps to make it a little bit more bearable. And so uh, I think that's, you know, when, when, uh, when I'm reading here on this article that it's the go-to for, for headaches, I, I totally understand that, you know, because uh, that's that was the entry point for us into essential oils. Now it's like we, you know, I don't think we have every <laughs> everyone ever created, but we use a lot of them. So essential oils is uh, is uh, you know, it's, it's pretty big, pretty important. There's a lot of links on this uh, on this article. You definitely want to go the recipes there for those uh, for those drinks. Um, just good information to have. And so you definitely want to go check out this article on backdoor survival. So, um, that's it for today, man. I, uh, I appreciate everybody, you know, everybody who's 
coming out to the podcast. Uh, I'm hearing from people and, and uh, giving me encouragement, and I, I really do appreciate that. If you get a chance, come out to the website and uh, drop me a line. Share out the podcast on social media. Tell a friend. Uh, hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow with more great articles. If you are looking for more preparedness information and uh, you want to go read some great articles, go head over to PrepperWebsite.com. We've got uh, great articles there daily, posted daily, and uh, you'll get your fill of preparedness over there. All right, guys, until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.